Welcome to Packet Pushes. This is Editing Greg, the guy who records stuff after the show is finished, and I, I wanted to give you some background on this show, and as well as an apology. Now, recently I spent a few weeks in Silicon Valley, and Martin Casado uh, very generously agreed to talk with me, and I wanted, wanted to dig deeper into the business concepts behind product market fit, uh, and the difference between the ways that big vendors and startups come to market. Now, Martin has published a post recently where he talked about... Um, need more time or the lack of product market fit guideposts for tech founders going to market where no market exists. And I uh, put a link to the blog over at A16Z. And so basically what I did was picked out five bullet points around that, uh, getting stuck in the innovation friend zone, even when customers are sold on the idea, they still don't buy on it and what the impacts are to startups. Your biggest competition isn't always another company. It's the status quo. And then I was asking two questions that I wanted to ask is, is money leaving enterprise IT because the market is shrinking or is it because it's the death of IT enterprise brands? Finally, is the intent-based networking movement legit? How's it going to work out? And Martin and I had this very fast-paced, very intense discussion. Uh, we were going backwards and forwards, very, very rapid fire. Uh, and the apology is partly because we were going backwards so far and so fast that sometimes we talk over each other and then at the start of it we were recording on equipment and I wasn't didn't check the levels until about three or four minutes in and my voice is very uh, overloaded a bit distorted but at about the three four or five minute stage just uh, just when it's going to start really annoying you uh, the voice actually clears up and gets better it's not the best recording we've ever done but hopefully it's good enough for you and here is is a discussion on the state of enterprise IT with Martin Casado. So here's a question for you um, you wrote an article a little while ago about the challenge of selling technology to enterprise IT. Now that struck at home for me because yeah. um, as I was in the taxi on the way here I read a, a, a guy on a Slack channel that we have at Packet Pushes and he says yeah. my company's just about to replace its 3Com stack uh, stack builders that it put in 15 wow, years ago. Wow, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's just depressing. That's yeah. kind of sad. So you published this article and you published four points about what is the challenge for startups. Yeah. But I, I think it applies to all the vendors particularly. There's yeah. four reasons as to why it was so hard to sell to enterprise IT. And the first one was getting stuck in the innovation friend zone. What yeah. is that, what's that about? The focus and intent of the article was how do you go to market in early and especially pre-chasm markets? And by that I mean you're developing a technology for which the customer isn't educated, there isn't a budget, there isn't a market category. And I think that a lot of the wisdom that you get um, from the various advisors around the industry is normally more focused on mature markets because that's kind of where their their, their experience is. So mm. the, the first one is like, okay, not getting stuck in the innovation friend zone. So I think that large companies like desire to acquire new technology far, yeah. far, far outpaces their ability to actually consume it. Well, I think there's some companies that sure. can see into the future and think, yeah. I really want the shiny thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they go out and they spend time looking at shiny things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go, oh, but actually we haven't got a use for it. Yeah, 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 for sure. And actually, yeah. and actually, let's, let's just put this into two things. So I think maybe perhaps the most pernicious trap for a startup is many companies want to learn about a new space, but they're not even sure that they like it. So they get into these very large kind of education phases, which yeah. for them, it makes sense to pay just to learn about a space. That doesn't mean they have a problem. They may not even know a problem exists, yeah. right? But they want to like make sure they're not missing something. And so often what they do is they'll create like CTO labs or incubators or these... Yeah. Well, yeah, well, they, well they, they create these organizations whose job is to look at new technology, mm. 
but they're totally removed from the line of business and the budget, right? And 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 so like if you engage them, we did this a lot in the early days of Nasir. If you engage them, like listen, they'll pay you for a proof of concept. Yeah. You know, they'll learn all about it. But there's to step from there to an actual production deployment can be an enormous leap because at the point that you're engaging, there is no justification. And so I, I feel like you've got to be very, very careful when you're engaging customers in the early time because of this. So what you would like to see is if you're genuinely an enterprise IT buyer yeah. and looking back at your experience when you were at Nasira and yeah. selling SDN controllers yeah. and virtual switching yeah. and overlays. And I mean, I remember yeah. looking at Nasira <laughs> back in like 2014, I think. Like even as somebody who was doing packet pushes even yeah. back then and got yeah. the idea of SDN controllers, the whole idea of overlay networking was just like, oh, I don't know. It takes a while to figure it out. It yeah, took yeah, me sure. a while yeah. to get to overlay and believe that it yeah. could actually work. Yeah. And and so you are ahead of that curve and you're trying to teach the 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 people that it really it's safe. It's you know and yeah. there's all these advantages and they're going yeah. like, but oh, we've done overlays for the last twenty years. But yeah. They, you know. Well, yeah. So there's there's multiple. Yeah, exactly. So there's multiple steps. Step number one is if there's an interesting new area. Let's say for exact. Full SDN, yeah. like a customer will engage even just to learn about it. Yeah. Right. So even though you're viewing it as sales, it's really marketing because you're educating a customer base. There yeah. may be budget, there may not be budget, whatever. So that's step one. I think step two is um, even let's say they've learned about it, they understand it, and they've even identified a problem it'll solve. Just because there's interest from a customer doesn't mean they can actually consume a technology, right? Like, just because the office of the CTO likes it and prototyped it and can see it fitting into the business doesn't mean the person who's down on the ground in the operational team is going to deploy it. That's exactly right. So, so, so the way I just split it up is the first one, like, like it really is education, and there's probably no intention from anybody in the business. So that, is that yeah. a sales failure? Is that a sales failure on your part not to realize the gap between the office of the CTO and the people on the ground who have actually got budget to spend billions getting this rolled out? Yeah, great question. I think, I think this is the clear question. And so I, mean, I, think, I think often the, the, the question in all of this stuff is, okay, what's the right thing to do here? Mm. And I think the higher order answer to that is, like, just be very honest with yourself about what you're doing. Yeah. So... <laughs> Like these things all look like sales, but they may not be actually functioning well, as sales, right? And I like think what we've got is our incumbent vendors also have a position here. They'll happily come out and camp on your doorstep right. for two days to give yeah. you a, an update for 2016. And that's it's right. like, yeah. um, and I've worked for companies where they've just gone like, that's enough. Because, yeah. you know, I once was working in a team and we worked out that 40% of our work time was actually spent doing pointless meetings with the vendors about something, something, something. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's right. And it's become like a cultural thing that the vendors will come out and camp on your doorstep if you ask them to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, and, and from a startup perspective, this is where it's difficult, which, like, some amount of this is required because you have to educate the yeah. customer base, right? Well, if you've got a new product that's, that's not right. running in the same rut. Yeah, yeah. It, you it, you it, have to, you yeah. have to sink some, exactly, you have to sink some education. Mm. On the other hand, if you get stuck in this friend zone, innovation zone trap, yeah. that's all you're doing without actually pushing a real sale, right? Like, you're engaging. <laughs> yeah. With a customer, but they're just learning and trying to understand yeah. or whatever. But like you're actually not transacting yeah. business in you're a meaningful just way. You're not going to put a ring on it. That's right. Yeah. That's so exactly that's right. The there's no there's no commitment. So I think for that one, you you should know that you're educating and yeah. you should staff it and you should be willing to pull away from that. Mm. But then there's the actual sales cycle, and in the sales cycle, in early days, customers are very willing to engage and they're actually like like legitimately want to consume it. But you have to deal with everything that you mentioned, like ops people yep. may not want yep. it, the white blood cells come out, and everything else like that. And so for that, that's when I think you do have a sales. People in the packet pushes audience are all going to be enterprise IT people. They yeah. should be thinking about are they dicking around with the startup? Because yeah, the startup's right. only yeah, got yeah. a finite amount of resources. Right. 
They've only got so much pavement on the right. road before they run out. Right. Traditional vendors in networking, in particular Cisco and Juniper, yeah. have got 65% gross margins on billions of dollars and they right. can just put, they can throw, yeah. you know, Uncle John Chambers' recipe for success was put Cisco sales rep in front of customers yep. all the time yep. and forget resellers, just trample all over them. Yeah, yeah. And it, well, but here's the interesting thing, which is from a buyer standpoint, it actually makes sense to wait to, to engage startups in this way even though it's mm. bad for the startup because the startups are normally the experts mm. in the field yes they have the aggregation of knowledge I mean they, they, they normally are the leaders and the thought leaders and so it actually makes sense to learn and from them doing new things yeah, and, yeah and eventually exactly. they'll either be acquired by the big vendor or yeah. the big vendor will follow like this week for example we've seen exactly yeah. Cisco announced network assurance which is yeah. a direct copy of the verifications that we've seen from correct. forward networks and Veriflow right correct, correct. Uh, and, yeah so you normally have the people that did the core technology or came up with the core technology they understand it came up with a business plan mm -hmm. and probably are finding a business and they're the right people to learn from right. so I, I think it's incumbent on the startup not the big company and to your point in the sales process to instead of you know, wishing every deal is going to be a sale to just qualifying like crazy. Yeah. Like if you're really honest, you're being like, okay, these guys really want to buy, they can't. You just have to be honest. And so yeah. we changed our sales process from in the early days, like anybody that would talk to us, we were happy to, to literally our first sales meeting was telling them why it wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, yeah, the conversions were like much lower, but like- Teenage as, romance is enterprise IT sales. I think yeah. that's like <laughs> You know, so so if you get a second meeting after you basically tell them all the reasons mm -hmm. it's not going to work, and you say no, and yeah. then you like charge them money up front or whatever else like that, yeah. like now your limited sales resources are engaged in actual yes. qualified opportunities, which is really important for a startup because you've only yes. got X number of resources, right. money to spend on sales. Yeah. And but there's a flip side of this too, and this is something that I've often said is, if you're making a product that nobody wants to buy, maybe yeah. nobody wants to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe right. it's just a product that's rubbish. I think this is the like yeah. the point, the biggest conundrum is like when do you what, what, how do you tell the difference between you don't have product market fit to You've you know a product that's just in the wrong place at the wrong time to, to it's, it's, it's so pre-chasm yeah. that you've got to mature the market yeah. like and that was kind of the impetus for writing this this piece because yeah. it's like I think the biggest tension for any enterprise startups like do they know if they have product market fit yes or no if the answer is no like what do you do and <laughs> yeah. if the answer is yes why aren't yeah. they selling anything right and yeah. it, I think it's kind of the thing that everybody worries about until sales takes off hmm. and I think it incents tons of bad behavior. I think that's why so many early enterprise companies, because services companies, run into a wall, or become, no, because become services because it gives them revenue to sustain the sales. Well, and, and well, and it's just part of the self delusion. Literally, yeah. they're like they're, they're just so they believe so strongly they have product market fit yep, yep, yep. that they'll talk to the people that reinforce that and they'll collect dollars to reinforce that. But like services dollars are in no way an indication of product market fit, as you know. You've told me this many times. Yeah, professional services is a dead end game. So support you know, whatever, because uh, I was talking to a guy uh, a few, few, three or four weeks ago, they had a problem with a set of switches from a given vendor. What was happening was the overlay network that was running across the top of them yeah. just disappeared. Oh. It turns out that the switches <laughs> had a bug that just sucked up all the VXLAN traffic. Wow. It literally diverted it into the CPU, but then silently dropped it. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the slow path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, course. okay, so, so you need that support. Yeah, yeah. But think of how much money this this reseller spent. They had like, yeah. a t like six people working yeah. on this problem. Yeah. They spent $400,000, $500,000 over a space of six to eight weeks to, yeah. for a bug that they could never fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, don't get me started on a rant about product quality. <laughs> In our industry especially, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. And like you make one mistake and you you can be out of business. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. and this is why so many resellers, I think, go out of business because yeah. we get faulty products from vendors, yeah. you know, if indeed they ever actually test them, and then yeah. boom, you're out of business. Yep. Reseller dead because you had a big yep. project go wrong yep. and yep. you're out of pocket for making yep. self-integrating. Yep. You know? And yeah, 
yeah, you know, I, I agree 100%. And I also have a little bit of a contrary view on this, which mm. is it, it requires a tremendous amount of discipline. But I do think that early enterprise startups actually benefit from services, not because of the dollars, but engagement. Be, because of the engagement mm. and its account control. And like, what is the real battle on the field? The real battle on the field is you're there with your little kind of buck knife against, you know, 15 incumbents with yeah. Uzis, right? <laughs> like, that's, like, that's like the battle on the ground. And like, how do you become a strategic advisor? One way is you collect dollars, you get in, engaged well, in the project, One way is to be a strategic advisor exactly. if you've got a strategic product. And the other way is to be point. Everything in enterprise ID comes down to two technologies. You're either strategic, yeah. in which case you've got to come in and, you know, get where you want to be. Yes. And the other one is your pain relief. I've got yeah, pain, yeah, 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 right. and this is the only person who's got a, 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 solution, a, sure. a solution that yeah. can take away that pain, pain yep. relief. One way is to start a product off as pain relief, get in through the door, land and expand, go lateral. Correct. And the other way is to say, I'm a strategic platform play, and I'm going to take over. I'm going to replace your – and that's a lot harder. Yeah, no, I, to I, I totally agree. But I, I think that there's a level of decision process that goes in, and the more you can jack yourself into that decision process, mm. the more you'll have account control. And one way to do that is actually – via services like you actually yeah. collect service dollars you're part of the project you do the implementation so it's like you're the closest to the product and in case things start going bad you can kind of resuscitate the patient you provide strategic advice and then you actually can provide guidance to like what happens in the future and so service dollars on one hand everything mm. you said is true they're hard to scale they're so let's low turn margin this around and talk about it from the point of view of the buyer yeah. what should they be doing they should be what honest with themselves and say am i engaging this vendor just because this looks like fun and don't lead them on beyond a certain point about what's the reality if you're the officer of the cto tell them i'm the officer yeah. of the cto it's my idea yeah. but down here i've got an operate it's going to have to be good enough for the operations people to want to buy yeah yeah i mean listen i I, th I think if this was about like you know global harmony you know the 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 buyer should be concerned about the startup yeah but but i actually i actually think they're doing what's in their best interest and it's going to be very yeah. difficult to do that so i think what they're doing is purely rational and sensible which is like they want to learn they want to mm -hmm. engage new technologies if a startup pulls the plug and walks away, that's because of the system you've created, which is like if you're in the middle of a sales okay. cycle and the startup realizes that this isn't going to go through, don't be upset if they walk <laughs> away because it's really incumbent on the startup to protect their resources. Okay. So, does Which, that make sense? Like, I mean, it like, does to me. And, right? and, 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 the answer is I've been in the office of the CTO and I've been the guy down on the ground yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've been the guy who's trying to bring in a new idea. I've also been the person hired to prevent the new idea from arriving. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. Doctor, no, yeah, yeah. no, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I've been yeah. on the inside of outsourcing and the outside of outsourcing. I mean, uh, there are reasons too. Is why you know, if you've got an organisation that has, it has a viral response yeah. to an outside infection. Yeah. And if you're a new startup coming in with a radical new way of doing things, overlay networking and yeah, what Nasira yeah. was doing back yeah. in the day, yeah. then you have a viral response because you're just tired of this rubbish being injected yeah, into yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like taking heroin. It might be fun for a while, but it's got a negative impact. Yeah, so I, I actually, yeah. this is such this is like, this is such a great point. Like, um. The, the more everybody sells on futures mm. and gets pushes shoddy products into the market, the more the big companies create antibodies. Yes. I mean, it's, it's just like any... Well, actually, right? so that's an interesting question. One of the things I'm noticing, I want to jump... I'm yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. Enterprise IT. I've got this pet theory that there's basically money's beginning to bug out of enterprise IT. We yeah. saw Dell sitting on $46 billion worth of debt. It was meant to take 10 years to pay it back, and now all of a sudden it's being forced into what is fundamentally a resale back, listing back onto the, pro the public market. Why would it do that? Because I think investors are saying there's no money in enterprise IT, therefore we need to liquidate out of this position ASAP. But there's no money 
enterprise IT is shrinking, what, 5% per quarter? 1% to 5% per quarter? Yeah. Juniper's down, Cisco's down, HP's, well, you know, they've been through a massive revolution. We don't know what Dell's doing. Is, is the money running out of enterprise IT? Are we shrinking? So, I, so I, I, I've got to, so a lot of this is going to come down to the words we use. <laughs> but, like, here's my view. My, my view is that value is moving up this chain. Right. So it's not a zero-sum game. Like, I, I feel like people view this as a zero-sum game where you, like, look at one area and they're like, oh, well, if money's going somewhere else, then, you know, the total money is always the same amount and, you know, mm. IT is losing money and it's going somewhere else. Like, I actually think what's happening is IT is actually broadening. And so we need to, we need to change what we call IT. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, like core IT used to be the guy that bought Oracle, the guy yeah. that bought like networking, the guy that bought storage, and that yeah. was IT. And like, if they don't have the same budget, we're like, well, IT is shrinking. But let me tell you, like, from like being uh, an investor seat, like, like now farmers have IT. Now yeah. mining has IT. Now uh, the auto industry has IT, and the amount they're spending on core technologies that you and I would know, like trust me, like Greg, if you went and saw some of the networking that they're doing for these like cars and yes. like super new stuff and manufacturing floors, you would recognize every bit on the wire, right? So I, so I personally still call that. Do you know? Weirdly, uh, I remember doing that 20 years ago, putting ArcNet. 100. percent And. Yeah. The public markets look at certain sectors, and they're like, yeah. "Here's the storage sector and the networking sector." And like from that, like incredibly to me, incredibly myopic view, maybe things look like they're shrinking. So, what about the price of enterprise IT is dropping? Traditionally, you know, storage arrays, servers. Yeah. I mean, even networking is disaggregating and turning. Right. You know, and there's money. You know, these these things are selling for less. Right, but 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 a hundred percent. But if you look at hmm. think about all of the IT components that are consumed by developers for day. Yeah. And all of the companies that are supporting that. Think about like GitHub. Yeah. Think about like Mesosphere. Like like these are. These are companies with great products that are doing very well, but yeah. like they're not considered core IT. So they're not enterprise so, IT. So, yeah, enterprise, so they're not counted, which to me is just it's just it's ridiculous. So I mean, there's money; it's just not counted as enterprise. Uh, yeah, IT it's just money. it's just moving. It's it's moving up the stacks, moving but towards developers. The that these companies are losing value is because they're not making those sales. Exactly. Those sales are Ex going somewhere else. That's exactly. It's like I mean, there's a I think there's a new generation, and it's enterprise IT. Like you would be just as comfortable. Talking to these companies because, like, like you said, there's no new ideas, but like they move to software, they move to different buyers, they've got a different aesthetic, they've got a different user base. Like that's what's happening. It's, but it's just still the same technology. In okay, my what opinion. about the death of the brand? So there's there's another trend that's going on here. I think uh, Ben from here talks about it, how brands are fading out. Right, <laughs> the idea that you know Procter and Gamble tied. Uh, detergent has had like you know mum's been using that for 35 years and she's never ever going to change and what, I think we're actually seeing the death of brands oh brands IT, I think you said right? brains the death yeah. of brains no, well, we got that as well <laughs> I, was like, I was like what am I going to say that's next that's <laughs> next I actually I mean that, I actually do believe that enterprise IT is getting spectacularly dumber at the moment because all the good talent is being going somewhere else yeah yeah it's, it's following uh, the new IT let's call it the new IT well, that's what I, I, mean. I actually think it's more fundamental I think some of it's going off to the cloud some of the people are heading off to work for the big cloud codes yeah. Uh, especially in southern Europe, like yeah. all of the IT organisations, yeah. they just got hollowed out because they're all moving to Ireland to work for the big clouds, yeah. right? But I think what we're also seeing is those of you who are smart enough, they're moving into other disciplines. Yeah. So they're not just moving; they're not moving; they're moving out of infrastructure completely to something else. So, but to come back to the original question, I think that we're seeing a lot of this in the past. At why I always bought Cisco, I always bought Oracle, I always bought SAP, I always bought you know whatever the brand was. I bought the big brand. I never questioned why I'm buying the brand, and I think. There's a societal trend away from brands. We're starting yeah. to move to, I can take a copy of a brand and it'll work just fine. Yeah. Is that coming to IT as well, or is that, well, is that a stretch okay. too far? Yeah, I, I, I hate to sound like a cliche, but I'm going to have to do it. I, yeah. I actually think we're moving from brands to community. I, yeah. I really do. Yeah. And like, and like, I don't think people view AWS as much because it's Amazon 
as much as like that's where the people are and that's where the projects are. I like are. Call it the fashion, the new black. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's a popularity. It's it, it, it's largely a popularity thing and what's hip and what's cool. There, there's an aesthetic around it, and so but it's not a brand thing. It's the community. Like you don't look at the you don't look at the Coke. You look at the people drinking Coke. I love the idea of twenty billion dollars as being a fashion. But it is largely like if you look at developer trends, you'll have you'll have five databases, and sure they've got all sorts of different ones. Hello, but ones on, here on, the, on the on the cat world, we have startup number one wearing a lovely little black number. <laughs> AWS East One. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, but it, so okay. Actually, no, no. So you laugh. Yeah. You laugh. If you look at consumer companies, it's always about basically adoption. Like you have yeah. five companies that are selling like, you know, online goods for dogs, right? Yeah. And one will take off and four don't, and nobody knows why. And it's just because that's the one that got the mind share and yeah. whatever. And so mm-hmm. you're always looking for the adoption, like like the community who's using it, right? That's how you find things like Snap and WhatsApp. Okay. I would contend that this is happening for. For the enterprise now, yes. it's it's like I mean, how many databases are out there? There's hundreds of them now. Yeah. Right? It used to be now four. Like yeah, that's yeah. right. It used to be. Yeah. And then yeah. why will one take off? Like you don't really know. So you, you look at you basically look at the community and the adoption of trends. So it's almost like this consumerization that's happening because of open source, because developers, you know, are so the ones that are trying to sell. to have a fashion sense. So make sure they can trundle down the runway and have the most attractive. It's, exa- <laughs> no, it's, it's, exa- it's exactly <laughs> that. Like, but that's yeah. but that but that's that's what it was, and it's going from that to basically the you know you you have to be attractive. So if I'm an enterprise ID buyer. I'm starting to look at the fashion trend then. I need to look for the community. You call it community. I call it fashion. Yeah, I think fashion is right? great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, but it is. I mean, it's it's like, the fashionable like, way to do things yeah. because people are going to glom onto yes, that yeah. and that's going to build momentum. And then you're actually picking a leader based yeah. on fashion. I think that this is affecting buying trends, right? Mm. And so like, if you're the startup that has the hit open source projects, the hit online yep. service... Your sales are going to be much easier, and you're actually, if you look at companies that are doing this, this kind of organic adoption, their CAC is way lower. Like, I, I don't know if you remember, but like, like if you're going to go to Cisco and you're going to say, how many SEs would you pair with an AM? What would you say? Like, I mean, how many SEs? Usually, do it's one SE to four or five AMs. Yeah, something like that, you right? Know, could it be? It depends on the area. That's right. Depends on how much technology. Depends on, like, in New York, it's one to one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? That's right. Yeah, I'm like sure. in, the, in, the, in the hardcore enterprises, one to one is very common. Yeah. In open source. It tends to be like one SE can support dozens 10, of these, right? Just, just, just because is my favorite line. It's the internet. Have you heard of it? Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, the yeah. thing is that you can scale on the internet. This because uh, people are already using the product, so you don't. Well, no, need... it's like if you're putting a person, someone's getting out there and burning shoe leather or, or plane miles or frequent flyer miles or car miles, getting in front of the customer. That's yeah. a one to one. That doesn't okay. scale, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Whereas if you can put um, a really good TME into a public forum supporting yeah. your product, yeah. you know, like you know the sort of people I'm talking about. Yeah, of they, course. They, yeah, they yeah. make all this sort of noise and they talk and they help and they do, yeah. and they can yeah. reach ten thousand people, five thousand people in. Yeah. This this incredibly niche market, a bit like yeah. this podcast. Like when, when we publish this, it'll reach ten thousand to fifteen thousand yeah, people. Sure. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time you spoke in front of ten to fifteen thousand people? Three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> VMworld. Yeah, that's right. You know, like a conference so, that costs yeah, like yeah. 10, 15, 20 million yeah, to run, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, different. Yeah. So my last question, because yeah. I think we're going to yeah. run out of time here, sure. is intent-based networking. We've seen lots of uh, thing. I think intent-based networking is the new trend. It's yeah. a bit like floral shirts are so in this summer. No. But I also think it's actually legit. Right? <laughs> floral shirts are in the summer. <laughs> well, yeah. why not? Intent- yeah, but no. do you think it's legit? Like you must be looking on it intent-based networking, going, you know, this is this something? Is it good, bad, indifferent? Well, so two things. So, so yes, I think it's a very important trend, and mm. I think, and I think more importantly, now is the time to do it. Intent-based networking for me is just code word for declarative networking, where mm. like you declare what you want, and then 
you check that with the reality of the world and like what and what you declare should be over things that are meaningful to you like connectivity like security yeah as opposed to just a bunch of very low level declarations on boxes yeah. now this idea has been around forever like declarative networking has been around forever the problem is is you haven't had well, enough not quite forever but well not forever yeah. but since the late 90s was started to be adopted what seven or eight years ago maybe yeah, 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 but it's been around in academia for longer. Yeah, yeah, in academic circles, for sure. The intent-based networking, declarative networking, where mm. you've got this kind of high-level declaration, and then mm. that kind of gets compiled down. But you didn't have sufficient maturity on the vendor side to really do it well. Mm. Like, mm. But what we've seen over the last 10 years, and like this, and you and I have had a conversation these entire 10 years, mm. you've moved from UI to APIs, from... You know, unstructured data models to structured data models. And yep. because of that, you can now very realistically build these systems that allow for high-level languages to be to control these kind of lower-level devices. I think we're also seeing the rise of decent software development. So things like CICD exactly. and GitHub, autom continuous testing, yep. continuous integration means yeah. uh, 10 years ago you couldn't build an SDN controller because you couldn't make a system that big. Yep. And now we're in a situation where a reasonably sized startup is amplified by all these open source technologies that they didn't have to pay for, yep. one. And two, continuous integration tool chains means they can write, iterate, write, iterate, yep. and build an SDN controller. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> having, having tried to do it, you know, then. <laughs> having taken three false starts to do it. And, well, well, it well, I also I also mean the following. I think, I think 15 years ago, if you wanted to write something that would control N different switches, yep. right? And, like, different versions of... of you know, iOS, CLI are going to have... I mean, like, like none of this is formal programming. This was like a UI for human beings to, to, mm -hmm. to, to type into. Oh, my God, dude, there's a wasp on your knee. <laughs> that was amazing. I have no idea how it got in here. Fixed. Nice. <laughs> nice. That, was, that was pretty manly there. Yeah, I was like, yeah no, no. So, 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 so more to the point, like, in the past, it was very difficult to talk to these... But like, I mean, I, I actually think I think actually Arista is kind of one of the unsung heroes in in this. Ken Duda from Arista was very clear. I will have structured data. I will put it in something called SysDB. I'm going to have API yep. access to it. You will write Linux programs. Yep. I will isolate those. And I have a testing rig. I have a lab. Every time you check it in overnight, it will integrate, compile, 100%. and then it will lob. All his automated testing is there. And, 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 and to your point, it was a modern development environment for mm. all of the configuration and system state. And like at the same time, kind of SDN and all this stuff was going on, so people didn't pay as much attention. But yeah. I think that really spearheaded this. And now all of the vendors have basically copied that approach, and it also allows that they had you know, like virtually unlimited amounts of money to yeah, throw. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't <laughs> hold the job with it, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, like yeah, they produced point. a lot more, but yeah, 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 for sure. Like it was a it was a well-funded startup, but like I think they created this, and so that's why companies like Forward Networks were being very successful mm. because they can talk to these existing set of switches out there and add value. So I, I think it's a I think we're going to see a lot of movement, but a lot of it's because the switch yeah. ecosystem. So intent-based networking is multi-stranded. It's not one thing. It's right. like SDN. SDN is multiple things. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. SDN was never going to be a thing without controller that talks. Talks so open much, flow to us. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's you know, if much you're religious, broader, it's yeah. a broad church, right? Yeah. 100%. It's a multi-faith yep. church. So there's many different types it. of things. Yep. Same with SD-WAN, same with intent-based yep. networking. There's many forms. But you're yep. fundamentally saying all forms of intent-based networking boil down to a declarative model where you say, I want this, and something comes out the other side. Let's exactly right. And and the computer science way to, to think about this is you're basically building a compiler. <laughs> right? You're compiling from a high-level language we, to, a, to a set of low-level targets. And in order to do that, you need to have those low-level targets be well-behaved. And I think that's what has evolved over the last few years. What a discussion to have. It's been pretty fast-paced. I think we'll have to slow it down for most people. Uh, yeah.
thanks very much for joining me today. Yeah, Greg, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> and you've been listening to the Packet Pushers. Thanks so much for listening. You can find this many more fine, free, technical, and equally stupidly nerdy podcasts on our <laughs> website at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on the Twitter as at Packet Pushers. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can even like us on Facebook. That's kind of creepy, though, so please don't do that. I'm Greg Farrow, and remember that too much networking would never be enough. Awesome.